Welcome to today's show. And I've traveled more than 800 kilometers to find the elusive Morba rum on a little sugar sugar farm, the Grease Farm Sugar in near Malelan. And um, they started making, or Robert started making rum a couple of years ago. I met him. He came to visit me in Durban once, and now it's my turn to visit him. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk to me, Robert. Thank you, Holger. Yeah, thank you for coming all the way here. It's nice to see you again. Yeah, you've got a massive order of rum going out to Europe, and you look very busy. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm glad I look very busy because I am very busy. Um, (laughs) um, Yeah, we've, uh, as as discussed earlier, we've... uh, been lucky to to get some business with a uh, very exclusive liquor distributor uh, based in Paris called uh, La Maison du Whisky, um, and they uh, placed an three and a half thousand bottle order on us um, in March or April this year. Um, that went out and and sold quite quickly and and very successfully. In fact, and they soon after placed a six thousand bottle order on us, and uh, we've now. I uh, just got in the guide for 12,000 bottles, which needs to leave as soon as possible. So, uh, yeah, it's looking very good. That, that explains why we don't see your rum in South Africa. Uh, part of it, yes. Uh, look, we, we did spend several years trying to, to get into the market here, and, and we do sell rum locally, but uh, it hasn't taken off like we would have liked to, um, uh, and we certainly haven't. I had the same sort of response in South Africa that we have had in Europe. Um, yeah. Europe, it's just kind of taken off with very little uh, encouragement or, or effort. It's just just happened. Um, I think it's part of their culture there, and 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 the type of rum we make, the style of rum we make, is is uh, suited to what they are used to, and 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 it's more more what they're accustomed to. Whereas South Africans don't don't understand rum as a whole category I feel and, and particularly sugarcane juice rum mm. they, um, they don't know it it's, it's not a familiar product they, they uh, don't have a taste for it and an appreciation for it so it's something you've got to work very hard to sell here yeah so I've, I just visited Uram Yan at the local tops at Malalan and he was very excited about your brand he says all the French tourists stop in there and they know exactly where your rum is probably guided by the tour guide but uh, he seems to like your rum. Sure. Now, as I say, we, we, we do sell rum in South Africa, and we have these um, pockets and isolated stores and, and, and venues where we do sell quite well. Um, unfortunately, I think, again, it's, it's mostly uh, foreigners. It's, it's, it's a tourist market that we're tapping into here. Um, for the same reason, as I mentioned, I think uh, the French in particular and some, some of the other European nations also just understand rum and, and, and particularly understand sugarcane juice rum. Uh, more than your average South African. Yeah. So, Rob, what, what I would really like or appreciate it is if, if you could help us to educate the retailer, you know, how can the retailer sell more rum and then maybe exp- also take us back on, on, the, on your journey. Where did you start with the rum or how did you end up making rum? Obviously, you grow the, the sugar cane and that is a big incentive to add value to that. Yes. Well, as long as the, as long as the market and the the end consumer or buyer appreciates that that it's a, a farm to bottle product and that it is um, 
uh, as far as possible made by hand. I, I don't believe a spirit could possibly be more made by hand than, than ours is. Um, it's made on a very small scale uh, and it's, it's made from farm to bottle. In other words, we, we're a grower producer. We, we plant the crop, uh, grow the crop, harvest the crop and then uh, juice the sugarcane um, and ferment that fresh sugarcane juice uh, to produce our wash or um, the liquid that we actually put into our stills to produce rum. Um, and th that is a totally different ball game to someone who is buying in um, the product that they are using to ferment and then distill. Um, What's it normally molasses? Yeah, most rums are made with molasses, particularly your big bulk rums, um, like your, your Captain Morgan, Morgan's, your Bacardi's, um, Havana Clubs. Um, all the big sort of uh, household name rums are made from from molasses. There are household name rums in France that come from Martinique and other French Caribbean islands that, that are very well known in France, but they are sugarcane juice rums and that's that's part of the culture difference that I was explaining earlier in that France understands sugarcane juice rum and they appreciate it and they see it as a many of them see it as a superior product to a molasses rum. And I'm not saying that it is superior. Uh, many of the best rums I've ever had are molasses-based rums. There are some beautiful rums made from molasses. Um, I'm just, there is a lot more work and effort that goes into a grower-produced sugarcane juice rum. And, and a sugarcane juice rum is normally grower-produced because of the sensitivity of the juice. You, you, you can't transport it really. You need to crush it on site, juice it, uh, and 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 ferment it straight away. You can't really transport it um, unless you wanted to refrigerate it and cool it down, uh, but that just wouldn't be viable. Uh, yeah. I heard there was uh, somebody who's shipping sticks of cane to the Western Cape and for the markets, not not to make rum, but then they, they got these little crushes and sell yes. juice at the market, which is quite cute, but it must be... Very expensive. Very pricey for yeah for the for the cup of juice you get in the end. Yeah. I'm sure yes, but um, I'm glad to hear that. Um, I think sugarcane as a product um, doesn't get much attention really. I mean a lot of people uh, eat sugar still, although it's becoming less and less popular. Sugar being the new fat is um, going out of fashion quite mm. rapidly. But uh, look, there's still a lot of sugar in our diets, and and it's kind of uh, it's a low-profile crop. I guess people don't see it as a glamorous or a um, sort of uh, popular crop to grow it's uh, although it's it's it is a large it's planted in 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 a in a large scale all over the place people know very little about it i mean grape farms that produce uh, or, or vineyards that produce uh, wines are um, very popular to go and visit and people to look at yeah they <laughs> like looking at it and it's all quite romantic the vine the, the whole vineyard vibe Whereas sugarcane is not seen that way, uh, particularly here. I think uh, in other cane-producing areas where they produce rum, there is more of a culture around sugarcane in particular and, and, and also just, just rum made from, from the sugarcane. Whereas sugarcane here is kind of... Uh, some people don't even know we grow sugarcane in South Africa. Mm. Um, uh, it's, we're not a big cane grower, but we, we're not that small either. I think we're sort of 12th or 15th in the world, um, which is still quite substantial. Um, so I'm glad to hear that there are people using the, the cane sticks to make juice. At least it's uh, uh, an indication of an uptick in interest in sugarcane, I guess. Yeah. 
And can you describe the difference in taste between a, a, a sugar juice rum versus a um, molasses rum? For yep. me, I'll tell you what I tasted the first time I went to Topanga to taste it. Yes. And Topanga is a is also a um, similar operation in, in yes. Neum Tunzini. For me, it tasted like Dalton. Now, my wife's from Dalton, which is a sugar-growing area, and her grandfather was the ran a big sugar mill there, yes. which was owned by the farmers. And that smell of the sugar mill is mm. what I thought I tasted. Okay. Well, well, for me too, I expected a sugarcane juice rum to have more sugar character to it in terms of aroma and, and flavor. Um, just being a product coming directly from the source plant, which is sugarcane, you, you, you've got a kind of more direct link between the sugarcane and the rum. Whereas molasses obviously has been processed extensively in a sugar mill. Um, so that uh, the flavors might be less, they're sort of directly linked back to back to the sugar plant. Um, but funnily enough, a lot of traditional agricole rums, which are a subdivision of, uh, of sugarcane juice rums um, and come from the French territories um, and French islands, um, they are often described as being grassy or herbaceous. They often have um, quite plant-like tastes, which are not particularly sugary. Um, uh, and I think it has something to do with the way they extract the juice. Um, we have our own cane press, which I designed and built, um, and it works on a, a very different process to how the sugar mills extract the juice. Uh, and, and most agricoles are made with um, juice extraction equipment that is very much like the sugar mills. Um, and I think they leave almost no sugar in the plant. And in doing so, I think they extract a lot of the um, uh, contents of the, the sheath of the cane, which, are, which is the green sort of protective layer around the cane, which I think perhaps gives the, the vegetal sort of plant-like taste to, to agricoles, mm. traditional agricoles. Um, so I was very surprised many years ago when I tasted my first, uh, I think it was Rum JM and Rub, uh, Rum Clement, which come from, from Martinique in... in, in um, in the Caribbean, they were particularly uh, grassy, herbal, not particularly sugarcane at all. Um, so even within sugarcane juice rums, there's a huge uh, variation, and it's it's quite difficult to to say that there is one specific or a specific character difference between uh, molasses rums and um, and cane juice rums. But definitely, in terms of agricoles, agricoles which are the most famous type of sugarcane juice rum, I guess, are are grassy and plant-like, which you don't often get in a in a molasses rum. Uh, molasses rums often have more of the sort of rum and raisin type flavour mm. that that a lot of people associate rum with, and rightly so. That that comes from molasses-based rums. Um, classic examples of that are Appleton, um, the Jamaican Jamaican uh, funky rums, as they mean as they call them. Have um, have that, that typical rum and raisin type type uh, rum character, which you don't generally pick up as much in in a, in a sugarcane juice based uh, rum. I think coming from molasses, your flavours are quite a lot more intense um, because of obviously all the sugary uh, or a lot of the sugar content has been taken out of the molasses, and what's left is a concentrated 
syrup of, of the leftover components in the sugar cane. Because obviously what the sugar mill is after is, is the, the sugar. Um, mm. And what's left over has sugar in it, a um, substantial amount of sugar in it, but it's a, a sort of concentrated, um, as I say, syrup of, of, of all the vitamins and minerals and, and other components that were in the sugar cane that the sugar mill didn't want. Um, so you're starting with a very concentrated feedstock when you're using molasses, whereas cane juice obviously is a lot more dilute and, and um, there's a lot of sugar left in there, natural sugar from the cane, which the yeast then eat. Um, so yeah, Holger, it's very difficult for me to, to, to give us a, a generalized difference between mm. cane juice and molasses rums, but... Um, and there probably are instances where it's quite hard to tell which one is which, but, but okay. in general, um, as I say, uh, rum agricole particularly is, is known for having grassy sort of plant-like okay. flavors. I'll look out for that. <laughs> and, I mean, maybe she, you've obviously traveled a lot. Have you had time in retailers? Is, is there a way we can help retailers to sell more rum? Um, look, there's a, there's a gr the problem we're having here, I think, in terms of rum, rum sales in South Africa is, is also an international thing. Um, I've, I've done the UK Rum Fest twice, um, and, and, and the UK, uh, I think, is, is a lot more open-minded in terms of rum than we are, uh, and a lot more interested in rum, but it's very much molasses-based rums. Um, again, their culture and, and history has grown from, from importing rums from the British Caribbean islands, which were all molasses-based rums. Mm. And um, several people there didn't enjoy our rums. Um, okay. People in the, in the general public were not uh, blown away by our rums. Uh, a lot of the fanatics and the uh, people, the bloggers and the uh, aficionados loved our rum. We got rave reviews from everyone that wrote about our rum and it was sort of rum knowledgeable. They all loved our rum. But I did notice that the general public, there were quite a few people in, in the UK that, that didn't enjoy our rum. Uh, and I think it's because they are more used to um, Jamaican-styled, um, Barbados-styled um, molasses-based rums. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a very difficult, I'm still trying to figure out who, who geographically in the world likes our rum and who, who doesn't and for what reasons. And South Africa is just one piece of that puzzle. Um, there, there seems to be a growing awareness internationally about rum and an interest in rum and, and particularly pure or what I call real rum. Um, mm. Four Square Rum in Barbados has, has recently won uh, the Su Supreme Spirit at the International Wine and Spirits Show, which is um, the first time a rum has ever won that, that award. Um, it means they beat all the cognacs, uh, yeah. all the single malts. Um, so as I say, it's the first time ever that, that the IWC has awarded the Supreme Spirit Award to a rum. Uh, and I think that's an indication that there is this growing interest and awareness in, in fine rum. And um, four square rum is, is, is probably the best rum I've ever tasted. Um, uh, they are... Uh, very much like us, they, they don't believe in sweetening or any additives in their rum. They do add a little bit of caramel to adjust colouring, very much like the single malt whiskey producers do. Um, but they are very much a real rum producer in, in, in my book. Um, and they are gaining popularity. And I think worldwide there is, a, as I say, a growing interest and in, in appreciation for, for real rum. And, and I hope that um, it filters that through to South Africa as well. 
Um, I think, yeah, knowledge and, and awareness obviously will, will help to some extent. Um, if if uh, people running shops, owning shops, uh, liquor stores are able to, to talk about rums and, and how they're made and, and what differentiates them, that will hopefully kindle some more interest with consumers mm. and encourage them to, to see rum in a different light. Uh, many people see rum as an inferior spirit. They don't see it as something on par with a cognac or a, or a single malt. Whereas there are some rums that are just as good, if not even better than, than, than the best whiskies and the best cognacs. Um, there are unfortunately many rums that are full of all sorts of additives and spices and sweeteners and glycerine to to, to uh, soften mouthfeel and there are all sorts of tricks that are are played um, in the rum game unfortunately uh, and there's there's this idea that rum has no rules and you can do whatever you like with rum um, which isn't actually the case but but for some reason rum has gotten this reputation for being very easygoing and kind of relaxed in terms of how you make it and uh, that that has I think done the category some harm mm. um, and many rums are seen by well rums are seen by many people as as I say inferior and not on par with with uh, a good whiskey or a, or a good brandy which is not at all the case um, in terms of, of flavor once you once you get accustomed to rum and you you really start drinking the the, the most flavorsome most intense rums out there everything else gets a bit boring mm. I mean a really really good rum uh, to me outshines a whiskey or a brandy um, there's not I'm not saying they're better but they're, they're more intense in terms of flavour more intense in terms of aroma um, they're just more interesting to me so when when I went down to Tops Uamian at the Malayalan Tops obviously said that the French tourists stop so mm. that's a start yes yes so as, yeah, as we mentioned earlier our sales here locally I think are largely to, to tourists um, particularly our, our more expensive rums um, again unfortunately people here don't see rum as something you spend more than sort of 200 rand a bottle on a lot of people here see rum as something that costs uh, 160 180 mm. rand a bottle uh, anything more than that they feel is is not worth spending on, on a rum um, whereas whereas you get single malts and, and cognacs that are many many times that price and people pay it and don't forget to mention the gin and the gin <laughs> yes yeah gin that doesn't even have to be aged exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. straight yeah. straight local craft gin for 599 rand yes no yeah we won't we won't get into <laughs> that as as uh, as i was told if you don't have something nice to say don't say anything <laughs> you sound <laughs> yeah i'm sure my wife will tell me to edit that out <laughs> we love the gin people some of us um, yeah, how do we sell more rum? It's, it's something that I've spent um, a couple of million rand on and a lot of time, effort and uh, blood, sweat and tears on in the last few years is trying to sell rum locally and and it's it's not easy. Um, mm. Obviously the liquid's got to be good. Um, everything's got to be right. Uh, the packaging's got to be right. Uh, the rum's got to be good. Uh, the story's got to be good. Um, people love having a story behind a product. Um, I think we have a really good story, uh, a, a real genuine story as well. It's not a story, it's, it's, uh, it's the truth. Um, we, yeah, we, we make everything ourselves from our stills to our cane press 
um, yeah, we, we, we're about as unique as I think a spirit can be. Um, we definitely have um, uh, a genuine claim to a, a specific terroir and a local influence. Our, our cane is local. Uh, the microbes on our growing on our cane here are obviously local. They come from here. They live in this environment and they are unique to this environment. Um, obviously, our soils, our climates, uh, everything, the water we use to, uh, both for irrigation and, and for the production of the rum, uh, all of these things add a local uniqueness to our product. Um, and many molasses rums, I think, I think I find it quite difficult for them to justify uh, a specific sort of uh, origin and, and uniqueness because of where they come from. Um, often the molasses, they won't even know which mill that comes from. Um, whereas our product is very much like a, a small wine producer in that we grow the crop and, and the crop is influenced by the local conditions from from the soil and the climate right through to the natural yeasts and bacteria that live live on the cane. And those all affect, obviously, the, the fermentations because although we add yeast to our, most of our fermentations, there, there's definitely an influence from natural yeasts on the cane. So as you juice the cane, the juice, before you even transfer it into the fermentation tank, starts bubbling. So there's already some natural wild fermentation happening before we, we add our uh, commercial yeast. And all of that definitely influences uh, flavor and gives gives your product a, a, a uniqueness. Yeah, and that would make most brewers very excited, you know, to see wild fermentation in the, like the Belgians in in the Belgian beers. Yes, well, well, in rum as well. There's uh, there's a, a distillery uh, called Hamden Estates in Jamaica that that does only wild fermentation. They don't add any yeast, um, and it's probably the most. Uh, old-school uh, traditional producer of rum and um, yeah so in, in rum that's also quite sought after wild fermentation and we're going to start to do wild fermentation rums in, in, in limited releases for Europe um, where we'll only use wild fermentation we've actually just just completed two two batches recently as a trial and they've gone very well so um, I think we're going to start increasingly doing wild fermentations mm. And most of the, I've interviewed a lot of people on this show where the story started around a pool in Mozambique or in, in a bar in Mozambique. Mm. And uh, where did your story start? Well, well, we live on a on a farm and, and a mine. It's a, it's a, it's one property, but we mine on the property, and then the the the, the ground that we don't mine, we we grow sugarcane on. And my dad started doing that in the eighties, um, and. Yeah, unfortunately, this the mining business has been dying a slow death for the last twenty odd years. And um, what did you mine? We still do mine uh, stuff called magnesite. It's it's called it's called magnesite. It's, it's chemical formula is magnesium carbonate, and it's it went into the steel industry quite extensively, particularly chrome, ferrochrome for stainless steel. Um, we used to sell about ten thousand tons a month of that, and we now don't sell any into the chrome industry. Um, luckily, my dad established uh, sideline businesses supplying animal feeds and fertilizers, uh, which now continue, but uh, drastically reduced volumes to what we uh, what we used to do. So, um, yeah, with with the decline in our mining business, I've had to look for other things to do. And and one of the things we had was sugar that was going to the mill, 
Um, sugar is a, a pretty low value crop, so you need to do a hell of a lot of it before you make any money. Um, so I, I try to think of ways to add value to sugarcane, mm. and um, building a sugar mill is not really an option. Uh, uh, so I, yeah, I started thinking about uh, making, fermenting, and distilling it, and um, I, I played with the idea for several years, and then then we went on holiday to to Mauritius, and um, stayed in a hotel called uh, the Belma Plage and uh, I remember sitting at the bar there they had 120 rums behind the bar and I'd never seen so much rum in all my life before and um, very fortunately there was the guy behind the bar happened to be the whole hotel group's food and beverage manager and I started asking him to pass me all these weird and wonderful bottles of rum so that I could look at them and I, th I think I irritated him quite a bit in the beginning, um, asking him for all these bottles to look at. And he asked me where I come from. So I said, from South Africa. He says, yeah, well, oh, if you're South African, you won't know anything about rum. You guys only grow grapes and you make wine and brandy. You don't know anything, anything else other than that. Uh, and unfortunately, he was kind of right. <laughs> um, anyway, he gave me a, a sort of one-hour education in rum and... Uh, he, he'd said to me, wherever there's sugar cane in the world, there's rum. He obviously didn't realize that I live in a valley that's full of sugar cane, and I live on a sugar cane farm. Um, but that, that, that is where the penny dropped, I think, where I realized what this guy is saying is true. I saw the 120 rums. They had rums from, from India, rums from Central America, South America, from the Caribbean, from anywhere in the world where they were growing cane. Uh, in the east, there, there were rums from these areas. And, and, and what he said to me is, wherever there's sugar cane, there is rum and uh, that as I say that I think was the eureka moment when I decided that I must make rum because I had been toying with the idea already but uh, this guy as I say really uh, made it uh, clear to me that that's what I should be doing so I, I, I immediately there and then in the hotel started reading up about rum and I became a bit of a rum a fanatic and I, I have been ever since Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, when I got back, I, I juiced my first bucket full of sugarcane juice in my vice in my workshop. <laughs> I, I cleaned it up with um, vim and uh, and sunlight soap to get all the grease off the vice, and then I put a bucket underneath it, and I got went and cut some sticks of cane, and I, my hands were bleeding from doing the vice up all the time. I had blisters all over my hands from squashing the the twenty five liters of juice that I had. And I fermented that in a bucket and drove my wife crazy and built my um, first little tiny still out of stainless steel. And I made some very revolting rum for quite a long time. And it got slightly better and better and better. And then, then everyone started liking it quite a lot and told me I should make it commercially. Uh, and then in 2015, we got the license to, um, a micromanufacturer's license to produce uh, rum. So... Um, and then we started selling it locally, and it picked up quite quickly. I must admit, locally, we started selling around 1,000 bottles a month. Um, in this little community, that's, that's a lot of rum. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, it didn't grow much more than that. In fact, it's probably declined from that. We're not even doing that anymore, locally. Um, we then went to Mauritius, and I met Ian Burrell there, the owner of the UK Rum Fest, and he was extremely positive about our, our stuff and he, he said please come to the UK Rum Fest you have to come to the UK Rum Fest so we we came back from Mauritius and two months later we flew out to the UK Rum Fest and everyone there raved about us uh, we got an amazing response there um, and we went back the following year and then um, 
And last year we, we got involved with La Maison de Whiskey, who's now distributing for us in Europe. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's snowballed quite quickly. From there, yeah. Yes. So it's making the right contact. Um, and the, the airports, that, that sort of... We have um, uh, contacted the local guys. I think they're called Big Five or something mm. to that extent. Yeah, I can't remember the name. They, um, the, the pricing was just a problem for us. And as I say, at the moment, it's, it's, um, it's really difficult to fulfill our demands in, in Europe. So just about everything is going to, to Europe. We'd love to be uh, represented locally and, and particularly in, in the, uh, the duty-free shops in, 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 in the airport. And that's something we will definitely get uh, get into. We will sort that out. Um, we've been looking at that for two or three years now, and not ha- have not yet managed to do it. Uh, as I say, the, the the primary reason has been the demand overseas. We mm. just uh, uh, we we're not really looking for, <laughs> for more offtake at the moment. <laughs> we uh, we need to make more rum at this stage. Yeah. What is the bottleneck with making rum? Is it the aging? Um, depends. Well, obviously, we do, we do ten different rums now. Um, all of your white rums um, aging, you need to rest the rums, but but it's not sort of the same time period as aging. Uh, maturation is definitely an issue. So your your aged rums, that is definitely obviously a big bottleneck is, is when did you put it in the cask and how long has it been aging? Um, uh, and then obviously the, the, the juicing and the uh, distillation is, is another uh, issue for us. That, that I'm, I'm in the process of, of building... Uh, stills twice as the big as the ones we've got now, so we'll be um, doubling, uh, sorry, quadrupling our, our production quite soon um, and on distillation. Um, and then the next issue is going to become juicing. You haven't yet seen our uh, custom-built press, which squeezes all the juice out of the sugar cane. That, that's going to need to be at least doubled in size pretty soon as well. Um, yeah, look, we've got plenty of ground to grow cane on. Um, that's that's not an issue. It's uh, it's the juicing, distillation, and then as you say, maturation for mm. aging for your uh, for your aged drums. Um, but yeah, we need to get more rum in cask so that it can start aging as soon as possible. And the cask must also be quite expensive to to source. Or uh, yeah, look, yeah, yes, new, new casks in South Africa are ludicrously expensive uh, we've just come back from France and I spent some time in the cognac region and um, was entertained by some very friendly small cognac producers and when I told them what we pay for barrels locally they laughed they thought it was absolutely crazy because they ask if they fall <laughs> yeah but uh, no I told them we, we pay about a thousand euros for a, a, a good quality 200 litre French cask yeah. and they said that's ludicrously expensive Um, and that that is roughly what you pay I I look again in the spirits game it's rare that you use new casks Um, you're usually looking for used casks for for spirit maturation Um, and that's another issue is we we don't have an abundance of casks here Uh, in the US obviously um, bourbon casks are very available because bourbon by law can only be aged uh, in new wood so all the bourbon Producers have to buy new mm. new casks, use them once, and then they have to dispose of them. So all the other spirit producers obviously snap up those bourbon casks, and they're pretty cheap and easy to get hold of. Um, I have imported some bourbon casks uh, from the U.S. ex bourbon casks, 
um, but they're pretty pricey once you've shipped them here. Um, and yeah, there's not an abundance. We have got some some casks from a local whiskey producer that I won't name because, uh, well, yeah, we just, we'll leave it at that. Um, so there are there are some spirit casks available here, but but not many. We certainly mm. not spoiled for choice in terms of of local um, spirit casks. The the wine industry, obviously, as you know, is very established. We're making some some really great wines down in the Cape and. That, that is nice to have access to those ex-wine casks, and we've had very good success with our first French cask barrel-aged drums. We've won several awards overseas with that, um, and we've had rave reviews on it. So um, I'm going to continue to do that. We'll definitely keep using ex-wine ex casks, um, but it would be nice to have uh, yeah, more availability in terms of, of ex-whiskey, ex-brandy casks, um, from the Cape. Yeah. Okay, and I mean, I'm thinking it's a good problem to have, not to have enough stock to supply your own country, and I've heard quite a few producers that have managed to get <coughs> into the export market that it's just so much easier than dealing with with local retail and distribution, the cost of, of mm -hmm. doing business in South Africa. It's fairly expensive or very expensive, mm -hmm. and, and I'm glad that things have escalated since the last time we met where I mean we were still talking about how to get into the South African market yes um, just one last question to finish off and that is the cocktail industry mm. and you don't look like somebody who ha hangs around cocktail bars although I've seen you in <laughs> in Umschlange around the pool mm -hmm. next to the beautiful lighthouse mm -hmm. sipping a cocktail I miss that place yes. <laughs> you miss that place mm. Have you been to Tiki Bars? What is where is the best place to sell rum? Or, or in in terms of the on-consumption trade? Look, rum is your most diverse spirit, mm. hands down. There, there is no other spirit that can begin to compete with rums in terms of it, its diversity as a category. I mean, there there are rums that com can compete with every other spirit. There, there's a white rum that could be a substitute for for any gin in gin cocktails. There's a aged rum that could be a substitute for bourbon or cognac or whiskey uh, there's spiced rums that could be a substitute for just about any spirit um, rum's got an answer for just about anything um, because of its diversity uh, and, and that, that means that it really could be, and we're doing 10 rums and we, we're mm. still a very young new producer and we're really doing 10 expressions as the, as the fancies like to call mm. it um, so we've got 10 different rums already, um, and, and, and they're all very different and, and suited to different applications. Um, obviously, nearly all of them could be using cocktails. There seems to be a bit of a boom at the moment. In terms of cocktails, they seem to be quite popular, um, and particularly the whole uh, tiki industry, mm. particularly overseas. Um, and, and that is definitely... Uh, an off-take for us. Some of our rums are ending up in tiki bars, um, particularly our flavoured rums and our uh, more cocktail-aimed rums. The the uh, the aged sipping rums are, are less cocktail-orientated, I guess. Um, but there's some cocktails that are like a rum old-fashioned, which which could use our, our aged rums. Um, Holger, yeah, I'm I'm not particularly knowledgeable i haven't been in the game long enough i don't think to be a, a cocktail even a rum cocktail uh fundi 
Um, I don't. I don't at all claim to be. I'm still trying to uh, focus on on rum making and mm. uh, being a master of that. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a marketing guy either. Um, definitely, uh, uh, Tiki and and the whole bar bar culture is a whole different game that I'm I'm not into and I'm, I don't know much about. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I, I I see rum as a staple drink as well. I see it as like a cognac or a whiskey. It's I don't believe it's a fad. I don't think it's something that will come and go. It may have a surge in popularity, um, but yeah, like like someone was saying the other day that or well, many people have been saying that rum is the new gin. Um, I, I don't think that it is. Uh, you mm. get people who drink whiskey, and you get people that drink brandy, and you get people who drink rum. Um, Gin is one of those things that, that a lot of people dabble in. I mean, I like to have a gin and tonic in the, in the right circumstances, but I've met very few people who are only gin drinkers. Yeah. They drink gin amongst other things. It's an occasion. Yeah, whereas you get guys, they call them staples, which mm. are whiskey, brandy, rum. Um, you get guys who are only want to drink rum, and you get guys who only want to drink whiskey and who only want to drink brandy. Um, gin is one of those things that, as I say, everyone likes to have now and again. So I, I don't know that they're the same category of spirit. I think they, they're quite different. Um, yeah, and, and what... I, I don't claim to be a, a... I think we've had quite a lot of success. Probably the most success, I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing probably the most success in South Africa in terms of selling craft rum. Um, but I, I, I don't know. What, 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 what we can attribute that to, I'm not sure whether it's... I like to think the quality of the juice is good, obviously, but um, I think we've also just been been lucky and and perhaps clever to target the the, the overseas markets. Markets, yeah. Um, and maybe also I got a bit of a head start um, in that we've been doing this quite a few years now, and yeah. and we really did try in South Africa, and and we still are trying, but uh, obviously our focus has shifted quite a bit to the, mm. the overseas market. And then you um, only have to do the production. You don't have to go and do the marketing. Exactly, yes. Yeah. Well, it doesn't seem to be all that much marketing done, to be honest. Because there is traction. It's just people like it, so they yeah. buy it. Yeah. Um, it's not a category you need to convince people to get into. They, um, they're already drinking it. For yeah. example, in France, rum is the most drunk spirit. Um, the, the population of France is just under 60 million and they drink about that many bottles of rum. So that just about every man, woman and child in France is drinking a bottle of rum every year. <laughs> Whereas there's no ways the same sort of volumes are being uh, consumed here in South Africa. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that for me is the essence is that you, you don't need to build a category, which you would have to do here. Yes. And they, somebody else has done that and you're just slotting in. I think... So often we, or the producers, try try and make a product, and then it's really hard to get traction for for a new thing and a mm. new product. And I'm glad that you found your niche, and I hope that it doubles again on the next order. Thank you, Holger. Yeah, I very much hope it continues. So far, uh, it's it's looking very good in terms of, of export, and and I hope it's. Uh, Look, it could also just be that, that an, a, a crazy new African rum is the flavor of the moment and, and that dies off. I, I hope not. I sincerely hope that's not the case. Um, but uh, only time will tell. Yeah, I think you're right. It's, it's definitely not that. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, thanks for your time. And uh, I really look forward to just taking a drive around the farm and just 
learning a little bit more about the actual bottles of rum so that we can show those. Is there anywhere in South Africa where people can order the rums online or? Yeah, from our website, from www.moba.com, that's M-H-O-B-A, which means sugarcane. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you that don't know, so a lot of people ask me where the name comes from. Moba actually means sugarcane. It's uh, sort of a, a combination of the Zulu and Swati words. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not technically correct, but uh, it's pretty much what everyone says on the street. Yeah. Uh, everyone calls it moba. I grew up on, on a farm at the bottom end of Swaziland and we planted thin reeds of sugarcane mm. just for eating because mm. it wasn't a commercial product for mm. us, but that was moba for us and it was like a treat. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if they still grow that anyway. I, I don't I don't know, but yeah. I, definitely everyone uh, everyone around here talks about moba and that's where the name came from. I mean, being yeah. on a sugarcane farm, I probably heard the word moba. 50 times a day mm. so when I had to decide what to call my sugarcane juice rum it, it was easy it was the first <laughs> word that came to mind yeah. yeah thanks for that rum cast rum education is always important and thanks for your time thank you Holger Shit.